Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. I'm so happy to be here for this day. This day has been coming on for such a long time. First, I want to give props to Pastor Bronson, our lead pastor here, for allowing this day to happen and thinking through this uh, and responding to the crisis that we have in our community for solution-based um, activity, uh, not just activity without productivity. So we're trying to be very strategic in what we're doing. When he called him himself, Pastor Rick, we met, and uh, what I can tell you is that we have the support to do the things that we need to do. Now what we're trying to do is move prayerfully in what God wants done and not get our own desires mixed up in trying to be identified, uh, but to make sure that we're falling into place with God. And what I can tell you, you know, where there's God's vision also comes his provision and things that you're trying to do. You don't know how you're going to do it. And I want to say this first off, I don't know how this is going to work, but what I have confidence in this word is that I know Moses didn't know how the Red Sea was going to open. I know that, that uh, 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 when I think about Joe, he didn't know the solutions to his problems. You know, he, he had confidence in, in God, what we call Godfidence, G-O-D, Godfidence is what I call it. See, when they say, how you going to die? I say, I don't know. I just got Godfidence. I mean, and I know that's, that's, how, that's, that's how it's going to work because of this word right here is, is what I know that this is the source to all of the resources. See, it's amazing as an educator, which we're talking about education evangelism, as we do a review of literature, you always, when you're doing your dissertation, your thesis, you always have to go back and they want to see what's your references. Where did you come up with that from? How many references you got? Did you, is that your own idea or whatever? And so, but what I found in education is that rarely will they let you reference the source. This is the source that has created all the resources. But when I want to say, well, this is the Bible, we don't need that. Why? It says in the beginning. So everything else happened after that. So this created all the other resources. And once we understand that, we can get in line with God, but we want to, we, we want to, put this book over to the side and get another book, but this book is the reason that book was created. And it's, it's confusing. And when we see where we are today, you know, what we have with Mr. Dwayne Clayton, which I just admire as an educator, and there are many other educators out here, Miss Slay. I mean, everybody's in, everybody's in, 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 in their field of, of, of education. And they have an opportunity to touch somebody, you know, with, with what they're doing. Carrie, she, 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 she can make an atomic bomb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's, a, she's my scientist. Yeah, yeah she, she, you ought to see her stuff when she, I saw how she was teaching with her stuff and everything. We have Heather, who's at Little Rock Central. See, we have all of these components that we're kind of like the CIA. You see, we, we're in there, but they don't know we're in there. So you can't always go in there, John 3, because, see, they'll move you to the side. And they'll try to keep you from doing, bringing in the source. But today, that's what we're going to talk about, what Pastor Bronson and Pastor Rick, the vision of vision and goals of outreach. What Sarah, Carrie, Heather, which they helped me with, and which I get to do, God bless me for city serve, how I get to come, how I get to connect our church in with, 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 with Pastor Drew and the team with Kendall. I got really close during the pandemic, and I didn't really know about that until we couldn't get out, and I, I got in isolation. I felt really, really bad, so I couldn't do anything, so I called Pastor Drew. He said, oh, yeah, we're still feeding. So for two months, two and a half months from April, May, June, to, I went with our team out there into the community. And what I'm going to be able to share with you, it opened up my eyes. What I thought I knew, I didn't know. And I thought I was pretty hip to, to the community, but I was totally disconnected to the crisis 
that's only five miles away from us. We don't have to go to Cuba. We don't have to go to Africa. We get in the car right now and I can go and take you to statistics that are worse than that right here in Little Rock. So that's why we're gonna talk about transformation. Transformation. And what I wanna share with you is that I believe you, every one of you sitting in here, were created to solve a problem on earth. Everybody, each of us contain a solution for God's purpose for God's glory, each one of us. Our eyes see, if you have vision, our ears hear, our mouth speaks, our body parts were created for such a purpose. Think about a mechanic, you, you don't take your car to the doctor. He, he solves car problems. Mechanics, he solves car problems. Hey, mothers in the home, solve domestic problems. Fathers are protectors. Dentists fix teeth. Lawyers solve legal problems. Ministers are in charge of spiritual problems. That's what Bronson is leading. How, how are we going to go out and fix the, the, the spiritual problems in our community? The problems each of us were created is your personal assignment is your personal assignment on earth. This assignment is the key to your joy and your reward. What I say, God's calling is your holy bowling. <laughs> Kenya West, holy bowling? Yeah, God's calling. So listen, here's the deal. When God calls you, all right, and you get in line with him, you're going to be a big bowler. Because you're going to have everything that you need when he calls you to do what you called to do. But listen, that's what blind faith comes into play with. And that's why I want to go to Ecclesiastes 5 and 19 about the content of what you're going to be able to do with the scripture here that I, that I want to base is every man also to whom God has given riches and wealth and have given him power to eat thereof and to take portion and to rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. That means every day that you wake up, that you know that you're pouring into your gift from God by how you've tied yourself into God's vision. Now, here's the main course of the serving. You're not designed to solve every problem. See, because somebody's, you know, and, and I'm, let me be very transparent and say, I realize I can't solve everybody's problem. And so I've narrowed my focus. But within that focus, I touch a lot of things because people say, well, you, you're involved in this or you're involved in this or what I said. It's really narrow, but it's a lot. And I said, when people, God asked me a couple weeks ago, why are you still involved with Arkansas Baptist College or struggling historically Baptist College? I say, well, you really want to know the reason? I said, let me be very transparent and tell you. I said, it's the only institution that I found that I can take in young black men that don't nobody else want and give them hope and give them a future and give them a vision for their life. That's why I love the institution. See, we're not looking at how high your ACT score is. We're not looking at how un unqualified you may be because I know when Jesus came back, He's not going to Harvard. See, those academic intellects very rarely want this source. Well, he's going to come to the broken, to the hurting. Now, God loves everybody. That's the, please don't, don't, I'm not trying to say that, okay? But what I'm saying, where can you find access where you open your heart to the broken? See, transformation can take place through everybody in here, through us through us allowing God to work within us. So Dwayne and I are going to share a little bit about the destiny of our assignments and what I call really the next civil rights movement. Education is the next civil rights movement. That's why when people say, well, who are you? I say, well, I'm an educational evangelist. That's, how, that's, that's my definition for who. I say, I love to go talk to people and say, I can help you change your life. I say, because I realize my great 
great-great-grandfather, Watson Hill, born in 1828 as a slave, what he was denied an opportunity to do. So when God grants me the opportunity to take somebody and give them what my great ancestor didn't have, I feel empowered to be able to bless them, to help them get where God has called them to be. And here's the deal about education. If you can't read, you don't even know what this is. But boy, if you can read, you get what Pastor Bronson was just talking about a while ago. You get that whole spirit of the word if you can read this. Why did you think slave masters denied the opportunity to read? Because it would depower you from this opportunity to know this word. But when you get this word in you, but you can, everything, you have access to everything through the Holy Spirit. And that's what the city service let me see and let me understand what the challenges are in our community. Rather than just being bringing attention to something, how can we transform something? So today I want to talk about three keys to recognizing the problems you were created for. Three. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three keys that I want you to tie into. So you can say, here's what Coach talked about today. Number one. Number one, the problem that infuriates you the most is often the problem God has assigned you to solve. So if, if it's something that you don't like, God is talking to you right now. Is that, that's, that's part of, of what you're called to do. If anger is a passion, uh, uh, but an appropriate response is necessary, and think about Moses, his anger. He killed an Egyptian when he saw somebody mistreating his people, but he channeled that in a way that he was able to liberate his people. He didn't just keep killing people. He started changing, and, 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 and God's vision with his provision led to the transformation. And when he went, listen to this, when he went to, to the king, he didn't go in there and say, Pharaoh, God told me to tell you uh, to give me 10% of everything you got. Um, let us be included in all your blessings. And, and do. He didn't say that. He said, God told me, you let my people go. I'm taking them someplace they don't even know. I'm taking them to the promised land. I'm going to liberate my people. You don't have to do anything about that. I just need you to release them. So when I get ready, and what happened? Because he went there, God let them go. Here's what I learned about that process, all right? Don't curse your crisis because that's where your miracles are birthed. See, in that crisis, God drowned the people because God had blessed them to let them go. But then he killed them in the process of running because that was part of God's plan. That's why I always say, get in where you fit in. Because you don't ever know how God's going to work. So the scripture provides example after example of that. Some years ago, talking about being infuriated, mad, M-A-D, mothers against drunk driving. That was anger. When a mother lost her child to a drunk driver, she got mad. And because of that energy that she had, she created an organization that now, in 1982, because of MAD, there were over 21,000 vehicular homicides because people were drinking and driving and killing people on the road irresponsible. Now, if she hadn't got mad, there would have been 21,000 people continue to be murdered every year since 1982. So 30 years later, that would be over 300 deaths. But because she got mad and used that energy, like Moses used his energy, like Job, Paul, everybody in the Bible, Joseph, channeled that energy correctly. Today, only under 10,000 vehicular homicides are caused. So she has saved that because she has channeled her anger in a right way. So that's what we're trying to do. I, I have, you have your own passion for what you want to do. He has his own passion for what he's going to do. Bronson has his own passion for what he wants to, how he's going to do it. Chris, Pastor Chris has that. 
Sarah, how she does it. M18, Blake, what he's called to do, God hadn't wasted experience. Monroe, the best facilitator for, of, of he's a five-star when it comes down to getting stuff done up here. Everybody has something that God had caused them to do. So I want to, right now, as I turn over to Dwayne to talk about how he does, because see, my passion right now, I have a, a gentleman here, I call him Professor Easy, Easy E. Davis, Edward Davis. Stand up right there. I want to say Professor Davis. <laughs> he leads the Derek Olivier Research Institute for the Prevention of Violence on the campus of Arkansas Baptist College that I founded in 2016 to, to face up on the violence in our community. We'll have our first annual research journal coming out, which is being produced by the Arkansas Business Publishing that we're working with David Martin and company here to put this together that's gonna really spotlight all the things that are leading to the violence in our community rather than just putting out data. We're looking, we have found 44 factors that lead to violence causing being the number one death, the number one cause of death for black males age one to 44 is homicide. So that means my grandson, Dice. My son, Justice, 20. My son-in-law, Dustin, 26. Data tells me that if I can get them to 45, they will have life. But if I can sit on the sideline and don't let this anger and just talk about it, which I told Bronson, I don't want to do that. Or I can activate this spirit, this anger that I have, and let God use this to be transformational in a way with somebody who can help me, who knows the streets, who can, I can go walk down 65th Street and knowing that we're going to change some things, how they look today and how we can change them in the future, but also how Dwayne is working to do that every day and how he's called to do that. He told me that somebody wanted him to take over lead of a church and stuff and be over the young people's department. He said, I felt like I was taking myself out of what God has called me to do for one day a week rather than doing it six days a week when what I'm doing at my job. So let's give a pass up for Pastor Dwayne Clayton. Good segue. Uh, good morning, everybody. I've been a 20-year educator. And one of the things in education, there's power and knowledge. And then the bearer of knowledge, oftentimes not really understanding how much power it has for the young people that we serve on a daily basis. But in that, as, as, as Dr. Fitz stated, uh, I was offered to be a youth pastor. And, you know, Wednesday, Sunday would have been pretty much the gist of that. But uh, what I do every day, I love doing it. I didn't uh, reach out to do it. I was just fine teaching art. <laughs> I enjoyed my little place in the classroom teaching art, uh, sparking that creative, uh, the creative juices, so to speak, with students and being able to tell messages through images, images or stories through images. But nevertheless, uh, while coaching and teaching art, I got on the path of hearing some guys talk about, hey, you can get your master's degree on Saturdays at Harding University. I said, oh, that's great. But uh, fast forward, I've been in administration for about 10 years now. I started out in an alternative school, which was like Fitz says, is where everybody goes when the regular mainstream school and you don't fit there. But anyway, what I do on a daily basis is I deal with young people and try to deal hope to them. Now, there's some good sides, there's some challenging sides to that, and oftentimes, you know, the, the highlights of, of many people's day is dealing with the valedictorian and the salutatory and those students that are, that are putting out mass ACT scores, three fours and fives, AP scholar with distinction, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that's what the news likes to, to share, and that's the good stuff. Then there's also a side, as Dr. Fitzhill shared, is that those who do not do so well in school. And a lot of times that comes in the forms of our athletes because they're struggling with education. They're struggling with home life that comes into the school. And so one of the stories this year, and Mike, you may have it, uh, but I, I started trying to uh, safeguard some things with this young man. He's a senior now. This is his senior year. But when I had heard from the feeder school 
that, hey, this family is coming to your school. You need to watch out. You need to be prepared. So I didn't wait till they came to my campus. In June or July, I got the young men, and we went out to Murray Park to cook out and grill just to kind of establish some rapport. Because oftentimes, you've heard this said, you can't teach me until you reach me. Now you can give me the A squared plus B squared equals C squared. You can give me the quadratic equation. You can tell me how to cite strong textual evidence to determine the author's purpose. But if I don't know you care for me, then that's all for naught. And so we sat there at Murray Park, and I was shocked because as I, we were pulling the things out of the car, they knew how to get the coals ready. They knew how to season the meat and everything at a young age of 14. And so we just began to talk a lot. They began to just be themselves, and I was just pretty much sat back and observed. We played dominoes. We played checkers. But I will not say that that was the end of it because I will say that when they did get to the high school, it was very challenging. It was very challenging for he and his brother because they had behaviors that acted out that were not conducive for the learning environment. And what I found is that so used to survival mode, if, if I could say that, that I'm always having to prove a point because even at my home, I don't have a voice or you don't hear me. So it seemed like every time a, an authority figure, a teacher or a staff member would say something, it was always combative or defensive with these young men. But anyway, that picture was shown because Nicholas, in his senior year, he's already qualified for ACT. He wants to go to Jackson State. He's a 20 ACT kid will be the first in his family of males to graduate. His dad is in, is in prison. So he's wanting to go to Jackson State University. He, that pitch was taken there because he was all-conference football player and the team captain. But that happened because the start of this year was Judge uh, Branton, uh, he was placed on uh, probation, had an ankle monitor. I reached out to the public defender who I knew and I said, hey, if you could work with Judge Branton to see if he could still come to football practice to give him something to, to help motivate him, and let's just see how that goes throughout the football season. And so they complied, and they, and they made uh, that concession for us. And uh, come to find out, man, this is actually moving him closer to a dream, number one, of graduating, number two, and then going to college. Uh, number three is actually having that transformation process because through that process of getting mentoring, identifiable role models through his, his football coach, uh, Coach Lee has worked with him tremendously, very patient. And I think that's one of the keys with what we do every day, Dr. Hill, is having patience because oftentimes we deal with the symptoms of the behavior but not the root cause. Why are you acting out? And a lot of times a kid would rather be known as the bad butt rather than the dumb butt. And so Fitz is probably going to have more on that here in a little bit. But one of the things in that educational process, too, we, as he said, we can't oftentimes start with this, but what we can do is be the hands and feet of God on those campuses. And we can let students know that we love them. And so in that process, it is that, hey, when you come to my office, first thing I want to do is hear you. What's the problem? I know what the teacher said, but you give me what you dealt with. And then how can we look at this restorative justice piece? Because then we got to create conditions for you to be able to get in where you fit in, but also be in compliance with what we have here at the school. So number two, let's give that up for part of See what I'm saying? And, and, and see, that's five-star that, five outreach. Five-star outreach. And I also talking about partners, collaborative partners, when I, when I see I'm able to call on people to help and say, hey, let's try to do this. You know, when, when Professor E, uh, um, what we found out probably the most, the thing that's probably the most demonic thing that leads to the homicide in our community is what we put in our head, which comes through rap music. So we've been studying the effects of that because that's who you think you are, that's what you try to be. So we're looking at all those things, those, those things like he said, you know, we can, talk, we can say, well, well, stop killing somebody. Well, until we understand why that brain is being processed like that, and my young man going to tell you here in a minute, that's not going to change. We, those, you know, those are just symptoms of the root of the problem. 
So I, I've, been, I've been blessed to be able to make connections with people who said, hey, Fitz, how can we help? And so I had another young lady who, who had the School of Arts uh, at Arkansas Baptist College who come over in the summertime. She came and said, hey, I need a place to bring kids in the summertime so we can do activities so they don't have places to go because school is out. And so I said, bring them, bring them here. You know, her name was T Teresa Timmons, and, and, and she has the School of Performing Arts here in, in, in Central Arkansas. Teresa, will you stand, please? She's here. She's, she's come out today. So, so these are my these, these are partners of education partners that when, when I've been working with her now for over six, seven years, and I'm gonna tell you what happened. So we realized there's a seven, there, there is a 26% dropout rate in Central Arkansas. 26%, okay? What I know from data, from studying over here, just like when I say specialization, when I see out here and I, and, and I know what's, what's going on in understanding what this problem is, I try to be a specialist in this specific field right here because I say if we can, if we can elevate the bottom, everybody comes up. See, you know, rather than him saying just, just, just up top. So if this is my, if this is my special field, so I was talking to Johnny Kidd, and I was telling him, I said, let's think about this. Say so 26 percent. So we're 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 talking about aggregate that each year in our community. The compounding interest of that number each year over a 10-year period of time, if these people don't grow, that's why Little Rock per capita is the most dangerous place to live because of these people that are left out, that are defranchised from the educational process. So it's kind of like, you know why Baskin Robbins has been open so long? Because they offer 31 flavors. So a lot of places close down, but see, when you can offer somebody something differently, and what I ask, why is it that when you're at the bottom, you only get one scoop of one choice? All right? That's usually what happens. If you, you got one place to go, if you're talented, you got multiple places to go. So me understanding the bottom, I'm trying to create multiple scoops for people to have to be educated. Well, Teresa was just approved by the state board to start her charter school for performing arts, which addresses challenges for people who don't get that. So now, like he said, Bronson, he just told a recovering person here that I had an addiction. And you know what got me out of addiction? He said, my music. He just, and I thought, how ironic that he just told me that before I invited her. He said, music helped me. That was my therapy. Well, see, I know what she does because I've seen those kids. And I'm proud that my daughter has worked for her. And when she would come home, he said, Dad, these kids, man, I love them so, but they're very challenging. <laughs> they, 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 you know, and she teaches them dance. And then at the end of the deal, she said, Fitz, you know, we have to engage these kids where they are to help them get where we're, try where we're trying to take them. And so the second thing of the slide I want you to know is that what you love the most is a clue to the problems that you're gifted to solve. What you love the most, number two, what you love the most is a clue to the problem you're gifted to solve. And that's what, see, that's what he's, that's what he's done. That's what he can do. He, he, he is gifted to solve that problem because that's what he loves. And number three, what grieves your heart continually is a clue to a problem God wants you to solve. What grieves your heart, you know, when you see a television program that makes you weak for starving children, then you probably want to help feed somebody. That's why when, when Slay and Catfish and dogs, they like feeding people. You know, two weeks from now, we're going to have our outreach cook. We're going to cook, we're going to cook for people. But for me, I want to share with you a story of, of how God gave me my anger for passion. And, and, and when I realized, when I look at this data, and I grieve every day, and I want to bring Antoine Jones up here, nicknamed Turtle. Come on up, Turtle. And I want to share with you how I realized this is part of his transformational story of his life. Let me tell you how we met in 2007 when I was president of Arkansas Baptist College. I had about, it was about 100 students on campus when I got there. 
and he was one of the 125 students, and about 30 of them had all else. And, I, and since so, so, so few of them, I said, I can meet with every one of those individuals and see how I can help them rather than suspend them because I realized I was usually the last stop before the penitentiary. So I called Turtle in, and I didn't even know him, and I said, hey, man, what's going on? I said, I'm looking at your transcript. I said, you know, he don't mind me being transparent because he's my little brother, and I love him to death. And I said, but, you know, you, you can possibly get a C if you go to class. sit in the front row, ask a question. I know Professor Davis, he ain't, he not, he not looking to flunk you. He trying to help you, but, but you, but you've been ghosting the class. Say, so you like Casper, they call your name out and they say, you say you're here, but they can't see you. <laughs> but let me tell you how God brought me in, in his life, he in my life. So as I sit there and he asked, he said, you don't even know who I am. I said, no, I don't. And then I said, tell me your story. He said, so important that you listen. Like he said, I said, well, tell me. I could have said, man, I'm going to send you out. He said, well, tell me a story. He told me a story. He told me he had been locked up at 16 years old. He told me he didn't have role models in his life. He told me he had been one of the OGs around Little Rock running things in the city and that he wanted to do better. But he told me I was the first man that ever asked him to do better about his life. And he said, when he walked out, he said, I'm going to show you what I can do. So I looked at him, but I'll be honest with you, I was a little scared at first because after what he told me, what he had been involved with. You know, but we had an instant connection, instant. And I realized I was supposed to be in his life and he was supposed to be in my life. And so fast forward, I did not see him again until seven months later, six months later, unfortunate. I went to campus on December 2007, and there had been a homicide, a big shooting, right down six blocks from the campus. And I went on old campus, they said, hey, you know they were trying to kill your student the other night? I said, who? They said, Antoine. Well, I didn't, I didn't even remember his name. So I go down there, and I pull up, and it's this eerie feeling. And I see him out front with four other of his homeboys, homeboys. and they're getting ready to go and retaliate. And I understand. And I just happened to walk up in there in the situation, and I said, Antoine. He said, yeah, Dr. Hill. I said, you remember I told you that I had a lot of baggage and, and, and I had a lot of bad things in, in my life. And he said, well, followed me last night, and they murdered my daughter. It looked like being a, a veteran of Desert Storm had 63 bullets in the house that shot up the house, killed Kamalia, his six-year-old daughter. He had, to, he had to, to pick her up, I remember him telling me, right there with seven or eight bullets in her, in that environment. And I said, Antoine, I said, listen, man, I said, he was angry. I said, you can't get back in the streets. I said, you'll go away for life. I said, let me help you. I said, what do you need? He said, I don't need anything. He said, but did you check my grades? <laughs> Seriously. Now I'm here. He's I said, he said, did you check my? I said, no, I didn't come here to talk about school. I, he said, I said, did you check? He said, no. He said, but I do need something. He said, I never had a suit. He said, will you buy me a suit? I said, I got your suit. He said, but I need you to go back and check my grades. I said, why are you worried about them grades? He said, you remember when you asked me to do better? He said, I made three A's, a B, and a C, because you asked me to. And I looked at him. And it just really hit me because I gave him love and expectations. And it started changing his life. This is when we sing the song that God, we leave to go after the one. You know, God has not now, but we go after, this, this was him, but I realized, I said, God has a special place for him. And he, he buried his daughter and ended up having to go back to federal court. And I had to go testify for him. And he was going away a long time until they, they were sending him away for a long, long time. And I went back with his family and I said, God, you said, and I said, God, this is not what you said this was supposed to be. And let me tell you this story. He can tell you. 
Within 15 minutes, the attorney came back to me and he said, Dr. Hill, I don't know what happened. He said, the judge just changed his sentence. He said, because he was supposed to go away for another 15 years, he gave him one year and one day to go get his life right and to change. And then after he got back, he reached out to me. And I can tell you, Antoine has graduated from Arkansas Baptist College with his diploma. And what, and, and, what, and what I want you to say is how important it is to have role models like, I'm going to give him an honorary doctor today, Dr. Clayton. <laughs> and have people like that because of your experience and, 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 and what happened in your life. First of all, I'd like to thank God for even being here today. And um, I'd like to thank God for it, putting education in my life. And it's, a, it's important, man, like, when you grow up how I grew up, you know what I'm saying? And you find somebody to believe in you. So that mean that means something to the people out here in, in, in your city, you know what I mean? On your streets. And when I first started off, when I and, and I started starting, I didn't know I was gonna finish school. You know what I'm saying? I, I just went, you know what I mean? I, I wanted a change. And when I got there, you know, I wasn't kinda like doing the things that was what was right for me to do. But I, I, I took the effort to, to even go. And that's what I looked at with Fitz. When he first, when he first came on the scene, he, 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 the first thing he did was he met with me. He didn't just get rid of me, you know what I'm saying? He didn't just say, oh, he's great, he's bad, we're gonna take him here, he's an elf and you out of school. No, he bought me in and then he showed me my grades first. He said, look, and I looked on there and I, and I seen that I had all elves. <laughs> And, and, and it kind of looked bad to me, you know what I'm saying? It made me feel bad. So I'm like, oh, okay, that, that, that can't happen no more. And then the next thing he did, he challenged me, you know what I'm saying? And he challenged me to do better by myself. And you know, that was something that I didn't have growing up. Nobody never challenged me. I was always challenging people, you know what I mean? So that, that's what made me kind of buckle up and, and respect him. He gave me an ultimatum. He look, either you gonna do this, or this is what's fit to happen. And then as I was growing out and, and becoming a man, and I wasn't a little kid anymore, I started to balance it out, and I understood that, you know what I'm saying? It, 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 I started to, I start to um, mature, so I listened to him. And then, here, all right, okay. So, so because he, he, eventually there will be a story, a book on him. On him. I, God has already given it to me. It, it would be a movie. He's had three hits on his life. In fact, the, 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 uh, the reporter from Channel 7 called me because she knew I knew him. And she said, how is he still alive? She said, I'm just covered. She said, this car is so hot. They had shot, he and his kids were in the back of the seat. They had shot up the whole car. She said, still burning. He's alive? I said, yes. I said, God is gonna use him. Talk about how, the, how you thought because how, the situation you were born into. That's why I say we can't judge people from where they come because we don't know their story. How, how you were saying, you know, you were going to the prisons to visit and your, your role models. Who, who were your role models? I had a lot of, ro I had some role models growing up. I ain't had too many, but um, a lot of my role models, you know, was my dad, he was in prison. Um, probably my neighbor, you know, down the street, it, you know, they was, they was big homies, but you know, everybody in our neighborhood ended up in jail. You know what I'm saying? No edu lack of education, you know what I'm saying? And, we, we grew up not really having too many role models to look up to. And when I got to education and school, that's what I did. I, I allowed myself to look up to somebody. And, that's a, and, that, and that was big on the streets, when you allow yourself to look up to somebody. And, and so the other day, just let you know, he's working with Professor Edmund. He's leading my ex-felon advisory board for the prevention of violence. You know, everybody has a board for they bring expertise and, and, and the thing about it is when, when you wanna, they call him felon, I said, no, he's no longer a felon, he's an ex. That's who he was, that's who he was, okay, all right? That's not who he is though. So that's, that's, so that's the grace that God gives us. I don't want him on that. We're gonna use that experience, you know. That's who he was, that's not who he is. It's important that we, under, that, that, we under, that we understand that. So he has 
expertise because he's made it. And how old are you? 21. Our goal is to get him to 45 because, see, statistics tells us 45 for a black male equals life. Why? Because the number one cause of death for African-American males age 1 to 44 is homicide. If we get him to 45, then we feel like he will have life. And so now I want him to help others try to, 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 to be able to do that because there are little turtles out there when I'm talking about little boys. <laughs> so I'm getting ready to show you. There are little turtles out there who are in his same situation, who we have to go and rescue. See, we are going to be God's Navy SEAL team. That we're going to go behind enemy lines and save people. That's what we do for City Serve. We reach out and touch. We don't look back and say, oh, I, I don't know what's wrong with them. Let me tell you, I had, I had a, a gentleman come to, come to my campus one time, and he saw them wearing their pants down below their butt. He said, well, Dr. Hill, wh why do they wear their pants down like that? I said, they hadn't been told to pull them up. I said, don't, I don't worry about that coming in. I said, it's an educational process. You have to clean the fish to catch it. See, that's the educational process. Then I say, here's what I found. When you elevate the mind, the pants come up. See, that's the process. See, you don't have to worry about it. When they know, you don't have to tell them. Because I say, where do you want to work at? You can't work like that. Like that, you have to give the reason. But I want to show you the little turtle that, 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 that was him that, that I identified that he's going to help me reach. Here, here's a young man right here. Show this clip. Listen. Thank you for blessing me with these shoes and make God this young man right here, I met him through our city service. He didn't have any shoes. We're feeding him. And I had to make this, right? I had to make this clip, and I'm going to show you why, okay? Miss Al Mr. and Ms. Alexander, they saw us on social media. Social media is a good and bad thing. Sometimes when you're promoting stuff, and sometimes I'm, I'm uncomfortable doing it because I don't want to promote, but I realize that's, it, it, it can help you build support. So they called and said, Dr. T, how can I help that kid? They saw him every day without any shoes on. I'm out there feeding. I said, okay, uh, this guy, he doesn't have any shoes. So I just thought he wasn't wearing them. He didn't have any, all right? And so they bought him a pair of shoes. He wore them for, for one day. And then when I went back the next day I was there, his mother said, uh, I said, where are your shoes at? He said, Mama said, I can't wear those no more. I have to save those for school. I said, I'll buy you another pair. I said, but I need, I'm working you out. I don't want you messing up your feet. But that's how valuable a pair of shoes are. And we, don't, and we don't even think about that. So I was so excited that he had his shoes. I sit him down in our little room. I said, hey, let's write Dr. and Ms. Alexander thank you note so I can teach him to be appreciative and be grateful. So I had to record that because I'm going to show you this. That's all he could write going to the fifth grade. I sit there, I wrote that for him, and I put the paper in front of him, and that's all he could write. Now, I'm on the state board. I grieved. Bishop Fred Harris was with me. I wouldn't even talk. He said, man, what's wrong? I said, well, that's prison pipeline. That was him. He even told me, he said, in prison, I couldn't read. Tell him how, what you say, how you used to fake it. And, you know, tell, tell, he, this is what he was, he's been teaching. He told us the other day how, how you used to get by. I just used to, oh, you put him holding my I used to do it by just memory. You know, as you grow up, you just they ask you to read something, and then I just start off reading, and then I just complete the sentences myself. You know what I mean? But, you know, I know how to read now. <laughs> <laughs> Give him the mic right I know how to read. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that's, tell him about how they act out. In, in school when, when they can't read. It's just so it's like students are, you know, oftentimes education is seen as lame to certain cultures, but when I don't know how to gain access because of the vocabulary, if you look at the science of reading uh, study right now that's pushed by uh, literacy in Arkansas, the number of words spoken in the home can determine uh, vocabulary and access for students. And so that's a key piece. And so a student will act out behavior-wise when they don't know how to gain access because it hasn't been done in the home. So that's a key piece. And so this is why education is so powerful. Uh, and Mr. Jones' situation is, you know, the scripture in Luke 22 and 32 says this, or 31 and 32, says, Simon, Simon, the devil wished to sift you as, as wheat. 
But I pray for you that when you overcome to strengthen your brother. So that's our prayer for him is that because now he's gained access, now he's overcome some things, that he'll go back and reach and get some brothers. Because education, that, that's the process. If I can sip you from that, then like, you, like Dr. Fitz says, then that's the pipeline to uh, prison. So Matthew 6.33, and this is what I'm, he said, I challenge, but he's helping me. I'm going to tell you, I, you know, it's kind of like he has so much knowledge when I ask him. So when Professor Edmund and we get this data, and I sit back and I said, man, we, we, we had our meeting the other night on campus with, and he has, he's recruited to others, so we're going to have uh, what we call our, our 12 advisory members that I'm letting him select that's going to help us take back out there so we can be there. He, he was with Bishop Fred in December. He put together the first, um, uh, uh, give him that mic again, I want him to do the first, um, when he did the, the food, food cookout, drive. the food drive. Tell, he put that together <laughs> after watching what we had been done with CityServe. He did one for his community in December, and he brought everybody together. And Bishop Fred said, did you know everybody he got there in the community? Talk, talk yeah. about how that empowered your community. We, um, I did a um, food drive with my community where we gave our food, and the thing was I had the community and the, and the um, people that weren't from my community touch hands and meet together. And so what we did was we threw a barbecue, like a meet and greet. So we got the people together and everybody to mingle, and we also gave our food to the public and gave our food to everybody so everybody can meet and greet and know each other, really touch bases and make allies with each other and start to, you know, when, when, you, when you make allies with each other, you have a better respect for one another and you attend to get, and you know who you're dealing with. So, you know, that's how, it, it was great, it was a success. We met a lot of people there and it came out good, you know what I mean? He saw Bishop Fred and he had came over with Sheriff Higgins and the people like this. He said, I want to do this in my community. I want, I want to reach out and do this in my community. And what I'm challenging him right now as we get ready to roll this out, what we want to do as we're hoping to have, particularly for the students, our first responder team that we're trying to help in the starting up in the summer that we're able to, when, when violence really ticks up, how can we step into those communities, you know, through our, our, our divine home makeover, through our city serve groups that we're doing to find people. He can say, this family is struggling. You know, through our radio, what we're doing to be able to reach out and touch and be transformational. Because what I've said with Professor Edmund here, I said in 2050, okay, I want to be just like mad. I want to decrease the violence in the United States of America 50%, just like she did. Because we have an action plan towards transformation. And that's why when the scripture says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And this is what I'm telling him. I said, you can't be in front. You be behind God. And you let God direct your path. In all your ways, you acknowledge him. And we can change this together because God has not wasted no one experience, and he won't waste turtles. He will utilize turtles. And I realize all the hits on, on his life, they that God was going to use him. And I told him, it's his time. But I said, but you can't get in front of God. You have to listen to God. And so we ask that you be in prayer, that if you have a piece of assignment that's a part of this assignment, that you get in where you fit in, that you'll be praying for us because we don't know how this looked because this hadn't been done. But I realized if we go to Somalia, okay, and we, we go do things in, in Somalia, and, and to try to stop violence and try to break the chains over there for liberation, I think we should do it here in our own communities first. And that's what we're going to do in some ways. What, and I'm committed to it. And like I said, you know, you really start, when you really start living, man, it's, it's amazing. You get excited about it. You wake up. A professor and I were e emailing, texting each other at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. He said, man, look at this. I'm excited about what Teresa's going to be doing because those kids that drop out, I said, we got a place for them. All of these, I can see God putting everything together. So I'm going to ask Pastor Bronson to come on up and pray over this and give us a, 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 a word to wrap it up. Yeah, come on, y'all. Put your hands together for them. You guys can come get the table and everything. You can move that out. Sweet, they're coming. Um, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm humbled because y'all come on. Y'all come on. They're, they're waiting. <laughs> y'all can come get the table and everything. Smooth transitions. Um, you know, Fitz, one of the things that I've learned from him and that we've been in process of here at the church is trying to figure out when God blesses you, when, when things come into your life, how, how do you continue to share that? And it's not just financial uh, it's it's relational, right? That's what Antoine was sharing is there, there's something relational happening. And so our question for you guys is we're sharing all this, not just to share, we're sharing for a purpose, which is what has God put in your hand? It could simply be the ability to read. And, you know, to me, I, I've shared this before, but a few years ago I was on Instagram, Instagram machine, and this guy, uh, I actually don't love to listen to because he's like way out there spiritual. You know what I'm talking about? Like the whirly bird type people. And I, I, I saw the heading was, what will happen when the Holy Spirit shows up? And I reluctantly clicked on the video because I thought he was going to be like, it's going to be out of control. You know, we're not going to know what to do. You know, here's what he said. He said, when the Holy Spirit pours out, people who don't have enough will have enough. People who are struggling with mental illnesses and depression will be healed. When the Holy Spirit moves, marriages will be restored. Fathers will be in the home. People will learn how to function. And y'all, when, when it comes to spiritual things, it's not just the, the spiritual that goes in you. It's what God equips you to go out and, and go out and do. And so uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have some sign-up opportunities but where you can sign up to, to partner with these leaders, these men who are leading in our community, these men who are gonna make a difference, and they're gonna direct us. They're gonna show us what it needs to look like, but there's gonna be teams that help with reading. There's gonna be teams that do cookouts and things like that, like coming down and supporting you and your vision. Uh, th there's gonna be teams that go in and are on a first responder team. That's something that Fitz has been dreaming up for two years, I've been hearing him talk about it. But when a homicide happens, what happens? They put up the tape, the family sits there, and then everybody leaves. Why can't we as the church come in and love the families? Why can't we as Christians come in and do that? And so Fitz is gonna be training some people. And so here's what I simply wanna ask you to do. Simply wanna ask you to do. Ask God what your part could be in seeing heaven come to Little Rock, seeing the Holy Spirit pour out in our city as it is in heaven, amen? And so what I wanna do is y'all go ahead and stand your feet. We're, we're gonna stretch our hands towards these guys and these leaders, and we're gonna pray over them and ask that God would give them vision and then give us vision on what our part is gonna be, amen? All right, so let's pray together, church. God, I thank you for these men. God, I thank you for Dwayne. Thank you for Antoine. God, I thank you for Fitz. God, I thank you that, that they are a part of the collective. God, that are sent here by you to lead and to change things in our community. And so God, I pray that one, you would protect them, God, that you would cover them. God, we, think, we, we know that the devil hates what they're doing. God, we pray a hedge of protection around them over their families. God, we pray that you would bless them. God, we pray over every area of their life. And God, we pray that you would give them vision. God, right now, God, give us vision for how we can support, how we can partner, for how we can be a part of it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. Just want to say thank you for listening in. Uh, our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.